was in my early 20s and a newlywed when you became the head coach. And so I feel like I was able to, to look up to you. And in many ways, you were a father figure in, in terms of the way I learned from you, the lessons you taught me. For example, you uh, taught me the importance of hard work. I learned the importance of having a plan and sticking to it. I also learned about the importance of executing the basics and executing the game plan better than the other guys if you want to win. Thank you for your many contributions over the years and for the role that you've played in making the Utah Jazz one of the most respected franchises in the NBA. And thank you for letting us honor you. I'll just say as a player, when you're first coming in and being a young player, I don't think we understand the magnitude of things and maybe I didn't at the time but when it's all said and done I look back and it's just to me everything just lined up perfect for me as a, as a kid from Louisiana coming to uh, I thought it was a city initially but somebody reminded me it was a state <laughs> and Coach Lee reminded me uh, uh, through the jazz parade that it wasn't for me that it was the days of uh, 47 you know I just can't believe my good fortune to be able to play under Jerry Sloan first of all a person who I do admire and I respect we've had an interesting relationship like a father-son relationship it's like a big brother relationship it's like a friend relationship and I don't know if you get to go through life with many of those opportunities to have that and uh, and I have it right here in one man and uh, he's never been given anything in his life that he hasn't earned and uh, tonight's no different I'm very proud of everything you've done I'm honored to be here, Coach. And I know you used to always tell me, you know, when are you going to get satisfied? You and Coach Jones used to tell me. And i tell you now, I didn't want to disappoint you. I really didn't. I didn't want to disappoint you. I didn't want to disappoint the coaching staff because you guys made it possible for me to be the person I was. And I felt when I came here, I was a, a young boy, and I grew up to be a young man, good or bad or indifferent. But I just want to say that, you know, playing hard was easy because you played the game. Coach, you played the game. You guys did it. And I didn't want to disappoint you guys. I just want to say I'm, I'm honored to to be here. It's a great day. I'm finally glad you guys were able to twist his arm enough for him to do it. And uh, Coach, we, you know, we love you. I love you, man. And like I said, you, you're the best. I've been blessed. I thought I was a great coach till we lost these guys. Things kind of fell apart there for a while, but uh, I was the most lucky guy in the world to have the opportunity to coach two guys that's willing to pay the price of being good every day. Uh, Frank, you're a little bit late. Oh, you already talked about you. <laughs> <laughs> that was your first thing. You got a time. <laughs> exactly right. Those are things I, I was listening to TV the other day, and somebody said uh, about me being set up to the East Coast trip around Christmas time. Frank set that East Coast trip up, and it worked very well. I've gotten an awful lot of credit for what he taught me and what he helped me with, and uh, I'm very thankful. Ah, the legendary voices of the, the jazz franchise right there. You heard... Frank Layden, who apparently was a little late to the old press conference, so Jerry Sloan gave him a hard time, and you heard the coach, <laughs> and you heard Stockton and Malone, I think that was Greg Miller at the start of the segment there, and that was all a few years ago, back in 20,000, or 20,000, 2014, 2014, when they were uh, giving Jerry the banner in the arena, and everybody got together in a nice ceremony there, and... Uh, raised the banner up into the roof, and a lot of people talked about him. And, you know, you hear Stockton alone talk about timing, you know, and timing in sports. Nobody does anything individually. Uh, if we learned anything watching the last dance, is Jordan had three losing seasons at the start because, you know, they didn't, they didn't have the group around him. You don't do anything by yourself. And Carl talking about how everything lined up perfectly. You know, and came together for a great era of jazz basketball. And we're reflecting on it now. If you're just joining us, uh, because Jerry passed away today, the Jazz uh, issuing a statement a little while ago uh, that yeah, Jerry uh, passed away 
He uh, had not been doing well. I think his decline had been pretty well documented. He was 78 years old. But uh, PK, it just brings up, just to, for, the, for the people who followed the team, uh, maybe since the day they got here, but who certainly got on board in the 80s and 90s, this just takes us back to such a great time in jazz history and a lot of awesome memories. Absolutely. Jerry Sloan resonated with every single person who calls themselves a jazz fan. It, it's inseparable. It's impossible to not have felt a connection to this man. It's, it's just literally impossible. Even if you didn't know him, we were fortunate enough to know him a little bit. I got to know him a little bit after he retired when they did that jazz beach bash and, and, and spent some time with him. And one of the great, great honors of my life is when he lived out in Riverton and he would go on a morning walk and he told me that he listened to our show on the morning walk. And I was humbled. I was really humbled. I, oh my gosh, I got to watch what I say. <laughs> <laughs> they always knew what you said anyway. <laughs> they took it for what it was. I know, but Jerry Sloan is listening. I know. No, I, I got to sit up straight, <laughs> I man. Know. Are you I don't I, I'm calm alone and I'm not I don't have the relationship with those guys that they had. Obviously, I don't have it. But when Jerry when Carl Malone is saying I didn't want to disappoint you, when Jerry told me, looked me right in the eye and said, yeah, I listen to your show on the morn- when I take my morning walk. And he kind of, you know, he laughed a little bit like Johnny Miller once told me that. <laughs> and, you know, because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a blowhard. Let's call it like it is. I can be out there and say stupid, wild things. And he kind of smirked. Yeah, I listen. And I, oh, man, I better not say anything stupid. I, I, I don't want to disappoint Jerry Sloan. Are you kidding me? I've looked up to him, and I didn't grow up here. But when I came here and got to be around him, and I saw his work ethic day after day after day, one time I'm interviewing him, and I'm talking about the uh, the merits and what it takes to be a champion. And he said, I don't know. I'm not one. I said, yes, you are. <laughs> you absolutely are. What are you talking about you're not? You are. <laughs> I went right back at him. We were, and it was courtside. We were, and it was before a game. He just happened to be outside uh, instead of in the locker room. It was out by the bench, and the teams were warming up. And I was talking to him. And every freaking time I would go into the media room, he would be in there with Phil Johnson. We're going to have Phil Johnson coming up. He would be in there eating dinner. Yeah. And no matter who he was sitting with, Walt Frazier, whomever it might be, he'd catch my eye and he'd give me like a little heads up every time. That's unbelievable. DJ, PK, and we are joined now by Phil Johnson, longtime jazz assistant coach, also a former coach of the year in the NBA and head coach with the Kings, and, of course, Jerry's longtime tag team partner. Uh, before we get to the, some of the great memories, first condolences, Phil, because obviously you and Jerry were very close. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we were, we were uh, more than just coaches together. We were very good friends and uh, spent a lot of time together over the years and I've known him for 52 years so uh, I met him in 1968 so it's been a long it's been a long haul you talk about coach uh, Jerry Sloan and and we just had Carl Malone not want to disappoint him and you were around him how much did he bring out the best of people in terms of yeah I don't want to disappoint this man because he's given everything he has well, I think that's really important because he was committed to what he was doing and he was he's he was very good with people. Uh you know, everybody had this misconception about him as he was this rough, tough guy, but he was very actually very good with people and the way he treated people on and off the floor. Uh and uh he he was uh what what he did was he gave he gave everything he had. Uh 
and uh, and the players recognized that, and he was very honest with them, and so that's uh, really uh, that's really what it was all about. So you met him in '68. You coached against him as a player because I was actually looking at some of that uh, video of 1975 playoff series. Uh, yeah, and you were coaching against Dick Mata. Uh, yeah. was was Mata the one who kind of brought you together? Did you both know him? Well, How- first, well, well, see, I was I was Dick Mata's assistant at Weber State, and mm-hmm. Dick got the head coaching job at at Chicago. Yeah. And uh, he didn't have an assistant coach, and so uh, when he started training camp and rookie camp and training camp, uh, I went back and it was actually his assistant, so I coached. The team. So that's when I met met Jerry. I was really, really an assistant coach uh, with the Bulls while I was head coach at uh, with Weber State because it would happen in the fall, and I'd just go back for a couple of weeks uh, and help him with training camp. And so that's when I met Jerry. I had the opportunity to go with you guys down there to Mexico for a couple of times and being around him. You talk about how he treated people. He was a big-time celebrity, but you're absolutely right. And I'm not sure people realized how funny he was and how conversational he was. <laughs> Could you amplify that a little bit? Yeah, well, he just had – he was just so – he was so country. Uh, we We had a relationship that was – because our backgrounds were so similar. I grew up in southern Idaho, and he grew up in southern Illinois. And our backgrounds were very similar, and we were just uh, kind of country, and uh, that's why we hit it off so well. And, and he had a lot of uh, old homespun uh, stories to tell and this and that about growing up, and and uh, he he had a, a great sense of humor. I think of all the things I miss from co- from being around uh, was not is not the coaching day-to-day of coaching players, it was being around the coaches and how much in, we enjoyed talking and exchanging stories and, and having a, uh, you know, uh, uh, conversations about what happened to us and things that happened. And it was always good. And he was very good at that. He was, uh, he was very good to people and he was, uh, he was always open to talk to them. McLeansboro, Illinois, although uh, reading up on Jerry, who's actually from uh, 16 miles outside of McLeansboro, a little place called Gobbler's Knob, and he was one of 10 kids. His dad passed away when he was four. Uh, as he said in his Hall of Fame speech, it was a one-room schoolhouse, and the teacher was the basketball coach. Can you describe, how often did you go back with him to that area, and can you describe what it was like and how it formed him? Yeah, well, I spent a lot of time, when I was his assistant coach in Chicago, I actually went down and, and uh, helped him put in his crops, uh, driving tractors and, and uh, putting, putting his crop in uh, went on his farm in southern Illinois. I've been to it where he grew up several times. Yeah, he talked, he talked a lot about uh, what the one-room schoolhouse or schoolroom and the teacher and so forth, and that on his first teams, the, the, they didn't have enough boys to play, so the girls played on the boys' team. So he, he uh, that was an interesting thing. But we, we talked a lot about that. Yeah, I spent a lot of time back there. I know I know the area very well. I haven't been there back there for a while, but, but uh, I, I spent a lot of time there. Also, Coach, in trying to explain how Jerry Sloan was an ambassador for the NBA, I think is so understated, and it's not appreciated because you got some of these coaches that don't want to be bothered, and they give uh, brief answers and whatnot. Jerry Sloan sold the NBA at all times in his interviews, never ducked anything. Could you amplify that, too? 
Well, that was the thing about him. See, he was called the original bull when he went to Chicago. He was the first player picked in the expansion draft. Johnny Kerr had played with him in Baltimore, and Johnny Kerr became the head coach of the expansion Chicago Bulls. And the first player he picked was Jerry Sloan. And Jerry went to Chicago, and here's a, here's a country boy from southern Illinois, and he would spend time with the press. The press loved him because he, win or lose, he would, he would talk to them and explain what happened during the game, and so really had such a great reputation with the press. And that carried over into the, with the people. So the people uh, really appreciated him because of his openness and the way he talked. And so many players of that day, if, they, if, if you lost, several of them would just go in the shower and wouldn't talk to the press. <laughs> well, see, he, yeah. was, he was very open and, and did a good job with that. Jerry was a uh, two-time All-Star with the Bulls. And the one year in Baltimore you mentioned, then 10 years with the Bulls. Now, people here know him as a coach, but compare Jerry maybe to some other players we might be familiar with to kind of tell us you know, who he was over his 11-year career. Well, I don't compare him to anyone because he's unique. And he, is, uh, he was just very competitive. He always said he didn't have any talent, and it was all by effort. Of course he had talent. He had, uh, he had tremendous instincts and uh, tremendous uh, drive and toughness. One of the best defenders I ever saw play basketball. Uh, and probably the greatest offensive rebounder I've ever seen from the guard position. He was just relentless. He had great hands, uh, great vision. Uh, defensively, he was, uh, he was just unbelievable. And offensively, he was uh, he was somewhat of a streak shooter. I, he was he was he was really utilized the offense uh, a great deal. He would come off the screens, get open using the offense, and that's where when Dick Mata came to coach them, he, he instigated and installed an offense that was involved with setting screens. And first of all, he would set good screens, and second of all, he would come off screens very well. And so he utilized that offensively, and so he was just a really good basketball player, and he, he could dominate players defensively. There are several players that didn't want to see him coming because he was something else <laughs> defensively. I think one of the amazing things, and there's a, we, can, we can have you on the phone here for the next 10 hours and talk about all the amazing things, but to me one of the amazing things is when he was coaching the Jazz all those years, how he took guys who were role players, put them in positions to succeed to the point where they went other places, they weren't nearly as effective. And I have to obviously include you in that list because you were right there. Explain how you guys were able to take guys who really didn't have a whole lot of value to other teams in the league, but when they were with the the Jazz had a ton of value. Well, you know, we had really good players here at the time, and so they, they uh, a lot wasn't expected of several of those guys you're talking about. And so you could utilize what they could do because you didn't need a, an all-around great player because you had some very, you had a couple of really good basketball players in John and Carl, obviously. And so that that's really part of it is utilizing the, the specific skill that they, they might have and that helps your team, and so that's 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 the, you recognize that and try to utilize that with your team, and so that's what happened with several guys. 
A lot of jazz fans uh, can see Jerry right now in their mind. And if you're just joining us, Jerry Sloan just passed away this morning at the age of 78. And Phil Johnson's joining us, his long, longtime tag team partner. And a lot of jazz fans can close their eyes and see Jerry just going off on referees or players. But he had a side of him that was really a softer side. And I talked to uh, the longtime NBA coaches as they came through this year, gathering their thoughts on Jerry and Rick Carlisle. I mean, now he's won the championship at the Mavericks, and he's kind of a made guy in Dallas. But he got really reflective and told this story about how Jerry basically opened a training camp to him when he'd gotten fired and he was between jobs. And I kind of thought that was Jerry going back on his Bulls experience. He had to be a little lost when the Bulls uh, let him go as head coach. Can you talk a little bit about the, the softer side and the way he would look out for someone in a situation the way Rick was? Yeah, well, I, you know, I just, I, I just knew... I knew all sides of him, and uh, the way he treated people, uh, he would uh, how he treated the ushers at that with the jazz or the custodians or or people that uh, a lot of times uh, celebrities just walk by, but uh, he was very open to talk to everyone. Uh, we we just lost a, a, a an usher that used to sit behind our bench. His name Paul. And he sat behind the bench, and I talked to him several times, and he just passed away not long ago. And uh, how, how Jerry treated him and how he treated uh, the people involved, that's just how he was. He was very considerate of other people, and he uh, definitely had a soft side. And, uh, uh, but uh, the, the thing people saw was how he, he, he was competitive during the game. Well, rarely did he get on players that much, honestly. I mean, he was, uh, I mean, yeah, he'd get in some players sometimes, but the, uh, 90% of the time there was, it was uh, very talking to them, trying to get them to do what was necessary and so forth. So really there's, uh, every person has all sides to them, obviously, but he was, he was very good with that. So anyway. When you see uh, you've been around professional sports for so long and we hear that, you know, players or teams take on the characteristics of a coach. Is there a better example than the Jazz taking on the characteristics of Jerry Sloan? No, that's about the way it was. <laughs> the team, uh, you know, defensively, uh, he, he spent a lot of time defensively and aggressiveness, trying to come play hard. That came from the top as well, Larry Miller. Uh, and that, that's why he always appreciated Jerry so much. It's very, they're very similar with their their tenacity and competitiveness. And so that's what, Jerry, uh, what Larry Miller loved about Jerry Sloan. And so that's, that was what this, fan, this, this franchise was built on. And it wasn't just Jerry. It was, uh, it was from top to bottom as far as, you know, and that, that's what it exemplified, and that's what uh, we were kind of proud of. Phil Johnson joining us here, longtime Jazz assistant coach. What is it about Jerry? Because you, you were an accomplished head coach. You were the NBA coach of the year, and you coached playoff teams. What was it about Jerry that made you not just want to say, okay, I'm going to be an assistant coach and work for this guy, but never go back down the road of being a head coach again? Well, uh, you know, we, there was a commitment uh, by both of us. Uh, we were very loyal to each other. He knew and trusted me. He knew I was going to, uh, whatever I had on my mind, I was going to tell him. I was not going to go behind his back and try to, to, to sway someone else by how much I knew talking to someone else. If I had something, I was going to talk to him about it. And he was the same way with me. So 
we had a, a unbelievable relationship from that standpoint, and we just got along. Uh, we we became really good friends over the years, more than just coaches, and just really good friends. And uh, so that's uh, that's the part that 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 I'm that I'm going to miss is that relationship. Of course, over the last since we quit coaching, I obviously didn't have as much time with him, and so uh, you know we didn't spend nearly as much time together. Uh, but uh, the Jerry we knew, uh, Trino left us uh, several several months ago, actually, because he just wasn't the same uh, and so forth. But I, when I would go talk to him, he could remember things and so forth. The last time I was able to see him a couple of days ago, he was unresponsive as far as seeing me and uh, knowing I was there. Uh, but uh, But I got a chance to see him before he passed away. How did you know... When oop, I better get up off this bench and go save Jerry because he's in trouble. <laughs> uh, I had an instinct about it. <laughs> I kind of knew him, <laughs> and I really didn't want to take over the team at that point in the game, you know. So uh, I, I really would rather have him be there. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was part of the job, and that's what a lot of people remember me for. But uh, I did a little bit more than that. <laughs> yes, sir, certainly. <laughs> You know, I always thought that one thing, uh, you know, there's so many good memories of Jerry that come uh, flooding back, but his Hall of Fame speech, you know, the, just by its nature, the Hall of Fame, right, that crowd's going to be diverse. It's going to be white. It's going to be black. It's going to be centri- city. It's going to be country. It's going to be young. It's going to be old. It's going to be people who grew up in the U.S., but it's going to be people who grew up all over the world. And I thought as Jerry told his story, on the one hand, you know, people knew him in the finals and the Bulls and all that, but people also didn't know him because he was away in Salt Lake City. And I thought he really held the room that night. It got very quiet in there as people kind of absorbed, you know, who is this guy and how did he, he get there? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we think of Jerry as a public speaker, but, man, he really yeah. owned the room that night. Yeah, he, he, had, uh, he had a couple of great mentors. His, his college coach, Eric McCutcheon, and he gave him a huge amount of credit. And Dick Mata, he patterned the way he coached a great deal after uh, after playing with Dick and really respected him. And so, yeah, he was, uh, a lot of people didn't think he was, a, you know, I mean, they didn't realize that he was a very good speaker. And he that, that day was very, he gave a lot of credit to a lot of people. And that was what was great about it. When, when you're coaching, you come across people from all walks of uh, backgrounds, and as you get older, the age gap, I mean, the players basically age-wise stay the same, but you don't. You age. How was he able to keep that connection as the players remained basically in their 20s and early 30s, and he grew older? Well, that's a, that's a difficult thing to do, and you have to adjust your game and the way you coach a little bit as time goes on. But he really didn't change a lot. They knew that coming in that we were going to be kind of old school. And uh, but he was he was very good with young players. Uh, he gave them great advice on on how to uh, take care of themselves and get ready to play that type of thing. He was very good with young players, and so he just developed over the years. And his coaching just just uh, it it, it uh, changed as 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 the times changed a little bit. But his basic his basic. Uh, philosophy stayed the same uh phil anything else you want to tell us about jerry you got you got a gazillion memories and you got more stories than that probably but uh just anything you want to share about jerry well i just uh, people should know that uh, he he uh, 
lived a good life, had a good life, uh, you know, and uh, had uh, he came from a very tough background. He lost his, his his father when he was about four years old and never knew his dad. So his bro- older brothers and his mother basically raised him. And and how he he achieved what he achieved uh, by uh, going and having some tough times and and getting fired a couple of times and this and that. And uh, so it was. Uh, it, just the way he uh, he achieved the things he did, and uh, I have great memories, and uh, I'll live with those the rest of my life. Was it the, uh, the the passing of his father when he was four was obviously huge, but also um, taking the job at his alma mater at Evansville, and then five days later walking away from it, and then to have that tragic plane crash kill the whole team and the coaching staff, those two things, is that one of the reasons he kind of lived in the moment and, uh, and savored all those relationships? Yeah, he talked, actually talked to me quite a bit about that, how, uh, how uh, what happened in his life that, that, from that standpoint. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I knew it was, it, was, it was known while he was playing that he was going to end up being the head coach at Evansville. So it was not a surprise when he got the job. But it was a surprise when he re- resigned. He, he just didn't feel comfortable with it, and he ended up taking an assistant job with the, the with the Bulls. But he just didn't feel comfortable, and so he resigned. And you're right, uh, the team uh, got in a, a plane crash. And so he talked about that quite a bit, and how uh, how life, uh, you know, gives you different uh, what happens, you know. So it's 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 uh, it's an amazing thing in his life. Well, Phil, we appreciate a few minutes. Sorry for your loss because we know how close you were with uh, Jerry, but uh, you two provided Jazz fans with a lot of awesome memories, and uh, I know people are savoring them right now. Okay, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Phil. Phil Johnson, longtime Jazz assistant coach, head coach of the Kings, and a former NBA coach of the year, and, of course, uh, Jerry Sloan's longtime tag team partner. They were pretty much inseparable. Coach 1A and 1B right there. And uh, even even to the point that you, you went to Mexico with not one of them, but both of them, because that's how they rolled. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. And we got off that plane, and a van came up, and both of their wives, Ann for Phil Johnson and Tammy for Jerry Sloan, and the four of them got in, and then the driver looks at me and my wife, and my daughter was actually with us at the time, too, they said, get in. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, get in. We're going to take you, too. There's room for you. You're, I was told you're supposed to go. And I go, you got to be kidding me. I don't belong in that van. <laughs> I mean, I'm still looking. I'm a janitor's son, man. There must and have been a mistake. Got it. I got in that van, and I rode. I, I rode with Jerry Sloan and Phil Johnson, and, and that, was, that was a highlight of my one of the highlights of my life. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mark Eaton, coming up next. He'll be uh, joining us. Stay with us. DJ and PK, Coach Jerry Sloan passing away this morning at the age of 78.